Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. This week on the podcast, we have Donnay Burston. If you didn't know, Donnay Burston is born in Baltimore, a Clark Atlanta graduate. He has a degree in math and industrial engineering. Not only that, but he is a luxury and wine spirits leader in this industry with over 15 years of experience. Donnay wanted to create a Saint-Tropez Rosé. So in 2019, he released Le Fit du Rosé. Before we get into his story, Glennis and I talk about champagne events that we attended and we catch up with Leslie. Cheers. Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. It's not Wednesday. It's going to be Thursday. Hey, y'all. Glennis and Leslie. Hello. Hey, it is. It is. It is Wednesday. Oh, it's yeah, going right? to be. Yeah, it's Wednesday right now, but we're going to. Yeah, it's it's going to air tomorrow. So it'll be Thursday. I was like, okay, don't confuse yeah. me. <laughs> Are you ready for Thanksgiving? No, I didn't even realize how close it was. Right, this is next month, week. Yeah, it's this next. month and this year has gone by so fast. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It really has. Uh, shout out to Tanisha. She is at Texcom right now in Texas. It looks oh, like okay. she's having a blast with um, other wine family and tasting some good Texas wine. I, I oh, saw excellent. her there that she was touched down in the U.S. of A. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Hopefully she will breeze through uh, these streets here and we could uh, oh, have I, a yeah. reunion. Oh, that would be right. cute. That would be cute. I don't even know if she's coming in this direction, though. She might be going to Chicago. Oh, okay. Uh, your family. Been, um, yeah. Yeah. Those all together. So I just got back from New York <clears throat> on Saturday. Um, I worked the uh, New York Champagne Week event. Oh, nice. There. Yeah. How was it? It was great. It was great. You know, I was, a, I can't even lie to you that I was a bit overwhelmed when I got there because everyone there is pretty much a practicing sommelier. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, now you got Sarita. Like, I, you know, I've never, I, I don't call myself a sommelier because I'm, I'm not, I don't, you know, it's not what I do. And people to, right. that don't know the definition of a sommelier don't know the difference. They just put right. us all right. in the same right. box. Same group. Right. But exactly. anyway, I actually had to act the part. Like, girl, you need to act like you know what you're doing, child. You know, <laughs> your, your training is different. <laughs> You're a wine educator. Sommelier is different. You know, you don't know the service part, but, um, but I hung in there. Yeah, it was good. It was good though. It was that good. Is good. Did you taste some, I'm, I know this is a rhetorical question, but did you taste some really good sparklings? I did. I, I tasted some wonderful champagnes and I learned about my palate that I love a hundred percent Pinot Meunier. Yeah, Munier oh. is outstanding. Yeah, it was my it's first time in, having it, and it was great. It's uh-huh. in a class of its own. I mean, it, I mean, the it's so different on your palate. It, yeah, you, it, it just is. wakes up your senses, and you're like, oh my gosh. But did did the um, industry up there talk about um, this pending shortage 
of champagne due to supply, the supply chain issues? Well, you know all? what? They, they might have at another event, but this was like a grand tasting. And it was just okay. like everybody mm-hmm. drinking champagne. You were either talking about champagne, pouring it or drinking it. So, okay. um, but no, that's a very good question. I would love to, um, I love to have the guy that I poured for. He is um, the owner and the manager of uh, Drapier. I think I'm saying it correctly, but um, family owned champagne house. And he actually has a sulfur allergy. He learned as he got older that he has a sulfur allergy. So they experimented with different types of processes in making their champagne. So the four wines that, um, well, maybe three out of the four wines that I poured did not have any sugar and didn't have any sulfur. And they were wonderful. Oh, wow. wow. Wonderful. Wow. What did he dosage with then? I, they make their own situation. I have to, you know, wow, like I said, we got to bring him on the show and ask him a bunch of questions because he was an <laughs> excellent storyteller. But yeah, it was it was really interesting to taste those wines with no sugar. Mm, that would be great. great. And Maybe in January. Were, yeah, and there were a few people who, uh, they, I hate to admit, but they were Black. And they were like, uh, no, I don't do, because they were all like um, Brut Nature. And they were like, ah, I don't, know, I don't do Brut Nature. Uh, it's too dry. What? So, but oh I, was like, so I was like, I was That's like, so can we, can we, can we taste it, please? Let's just taste I was going to ask you, yeah. have they tried it or hey. were they just like, no, they don't, yeah. they don't care for it. Cause it's one thing to try it. And mm-hmm. say, it's not my jam. Yeah. So one girl who walked up, she was just like, you know, I tried it once. It's not my thing. Let me just taste one. And I was like, can I convince you to taste another? I just want you to taste them all. And she actually liked it. I was like, see, every wine see? is not built the same, you know? Exactly. So and you know, that's cool. something that I always say, especially to us, and, and especially when we pay to go to any wine event, once you pay your entrance fee and you're not paying per taste, it's free to riot and spit it in a spittoon if you don't like it. You <laughs> right. might be surprised yeah. that you found something that, oh, you didn't think you were going to like, but you yeah. end up liking it, especially mm-hmm. when you already paid for it. 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have, um, I went to the um, Perrier Joy tasting mm. here. Oh, in yes. D- How was that? It was freaking phenomenal. I have five cards um for for us to have some guests on um so yeah <laughs> i got to taste the <laughs> unicorn of Perry <laughs> the rosé belly pope <laughs> Woo, i was doing a jig up in that camp <laughs> let me tell y'all something i'm not going nowhere because i asked the young lady who who was the um district manager i said I, I see the belly poke, the Blanc de Blanc, and she said, um, and the other Blanc de Blanc. I said, will, will you be pouring the rosé by any chance? She said, we have one bottle and we'll probably pour it at the end. I said, well, I'm going to be right here until they kick us out because I am going to catch the unicorn tonight. That's exactly what I was going to And we, yeah, it was actually, um, it was really, it was really well put together, um, and who can beat just drinking Perry Joy all day? And yeah. they did have some GH Mum too, because oh, nice. she represents GH Mum as well. So, but it was an excellent event. That's 
That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, the pictures look great. It looked like y'all had fun. <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. Leslie, how you doing? I am doing well. You know, uh, getting ready for uh, Thanksgiving sales, Christmas sales, Black Friday sales, mm -hmm. just sales, 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 hustling, hustling, hustling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. So this will be a good time to bring on our special guest. We've been drinking his wine for a while. And because, uh, yeah, everybody said the rosé, right? Have we had the rosé? <laughs> See, you're a good one. What is that stuff? What is Zane. that stuff? <laughs> what is that <laughs> stuff? Like, of course. At the wine concierge, have we had the rosé? <laughs> yes. Shameless plug. <laughs> and drinking it now. I love it. <laughs> we got jokes I at yeah, I, I opened that, I opened the Blanc the Blanc. I had to because I was way too curious. So and thoughts. Oh, I think it's wonderful. Okay. I, I thought it was wonderful. And um I got a bunch of questions about it, but um please introduce yourself first. I got jokes uh, about all of this. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's have him <laughs> introduce himself. Then I'll get with my commentary. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. My name is Donnie Burston. I am the founder and CEO of La Fête du Rosé. And I'm happy yeah. to be here. That's all, that's, that's, that's all you got. That's that all here. you got <laughs> for your introduction. <laughs> that's it? You know, listen, I could go further, you know, but I, you know, it's there for a little bit. But no, I mean, it's funny because you guys were just talking about champagne. Uh, and before I launched La Fête du Rosé, I spent many years in the champagne business. Uh, 10 years at Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy, or Moet Hennessy USA. Uh, we're oh, going nice. to Olio, Bocquicot, Domprignon, and Moet de Chandon. And then I left there and did three years at Champagne Armand de Brignac, uh, Ace of Spades, before launching Lafette. So I'm a champagne drinker as well. So this is a great ah. conversation. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> so what were you doing with all of these brands? Uh, so I was mainly in marketing roles or business development roles, which is a hybrid of the sales and marketing. Uh, for Moet Hennessy, my 10 years was in the Southeast, managing Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, et cetera. And then for Champagne Almond de Brignac, it was the Southeast United States, Latin America, the Caribbean, and duty-free. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, nice. Is, it, is there anything you miss about it? Um, La Fête de Champagne, which just happened last week. Like that was, you know, for me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I mean, I think also for, I mean, listen, champagne has a certain uh, allure to it. So it opened mm -hmm. a lot of doors for sure. And I think what I learned and one of the reasons why I wanted to launch La Fête is that Rosé is seen as like a redheaded stepchild of the wine industry at times. It's like not taken so serious. So I, you know, I miss this sort of pull out a bottle of champagne and the whole room goes, ah, you know, that all effect, right? <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to bring that to Rosé. That's my mission. I was cracking up because when I got the sample, I was like, did I accidentally join this wine club? Because I had ordered three <laughs> bottles of the rosé a while ago when you first launched, it seemed like. And mm -hmm. I was like, but where does this come? That's what I get for not reading um, all the stuff that um, Sarita says to us. I was like, what in the world? I must still be on his list. Let me check my credit card. <laughs> I was over here. I was like, then I went back. I was like, okay, you know, you got to read all this stuff because it's been a lot going on. I was like, oh, he's going to be a guest tonight. So, okay, that, that that's my joke. That's my joke. Do not charge a card. Do not charge a card. <laughs> that's funny. 
<laughs> so Donay, tell us about your trip to San Tropez that launched, mm. like that gave you the idea for your rosé. Uh, so the first initial time I ever had rosé in my life was in San Tropez for my 30th birthday party. So, you know, listening to Puff, he said, have you ever been to San Tropez? Your man don't play, all that stuff. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to San So I ran there, went, was hanging out at the time working on Hennessy. Uh, so there was a local Hennessy rep that was kind of showing me around. We go to Nikki Beach. This is myself, but this is a while ago when Nikki Beach was at the height of like beach club hysteria and they were all drinking what I thought really was white Zippendale and I'm like what is, why are they drinking all this like white Zippendale wine so I had a glass and then it just became this thing like because I was in this amazing party with rosé wine or white Zippendale in my hand so the nostalgia between my 30th birthday party and rosé became a thing uh, fast forward I started working on the champagne brands and we would always have meetings twice a year in France uh, typically in February and then again sometime in the summer we would all skate down to the south of France, like we're going down to the south. Uh, so I just started to really fall in love with that area of the world, which again, rosé was their water. Mm-hmm. water. Uh-huh. <laughs> Give you rosé wine. Um, so I, I was just in love with the whole south of France. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And then in 2017, I was there working at Ace for the Cannes Film Festival, and we were at a pre-Amphar Gala cocktail party. And it just so happened that a gentleman at the event was the owner of the winery in San Tropez, and I struck up a conversation with him and told him I wanted to do rosé wine. He looked at me like, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. And I just kept going and kept going and got his information and later hit him up. And, you know, that's when the train began to ride. But it was a long process between then and there. But that's how the whole thing came about. How did you pick the name for the um, brand? So uh, working at Ace, I had the opportunity to go to La Fête de Champagne, which was a big event that happened last week in New York. And I always loved the name. So uh, I initially wanted to call it San Tropez Rosé. And San Tropez, the city, quickly was like, hell no, we own the trade. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be doing that. Um, so then La Fête was the next choice. And then what I came to, find, came to come to find out living in Miami is that the Caribbean uh, diaspora, FET, has a strong meaning for them. A FET is a birthday party, it's a family gathering. So it just tied all into the theme of what we wanted the brand La Fete to be, which is Rosé is a party and everyone's invited. Oh, excellent, excellent. Love it. I, I'm just kind of sitting over here, like, amazed and inspired. It took me 30 years after your first well, 20 years, because you were 30. I was 50 when I went to the south of France. So like, well, damn, I'm 20 years behind these jokers. And I'm, Listen, I'm in the I third pay, quarter of life around. I paid for that trip for the next 10 years, years, so I get it. <laughs> it is like no other experience, though. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, I mean, no. Provence was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Provence, Monaco, Saint-Tropez was yeah. just living the life. <laughs> I have to pinch myself now because I go back so much. I'm like, am I just walking around Central Pay like I live here and know where to go and all that stuff like that? So it's cool now. It's cool. Wow. You need a personal assistant? (laughs) 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 Okay. I'm about to hang the hell up. What's going on in my life? This must be fun. Lafette is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a party over here. I'm getting depressed. Okay. No. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Donate, from our end, like we tasted your wine as soon as you came out. I mean, you're a Maryland guy. It seems like uh, your wine hit our shelves really fast, and everybody yeah. in this town was on it. But yeah. then you really blew up, and it seemed like you came out of nowhere to everybody else. Like, what yeah. happened? Tell us what happened. 
So I was very intentional in launching in DC and Atlanta and Miami first because of the ties. I'm from Baltimore, uh, got tons of friends in DC, Maryland area, Atlanta, went to college there, same thing, and then Miami. Uh, so I, I launched there intentionally. So we were building this groundswell, doing well, trucking along, and then the pandemic hit. And at that moment, I literally thought we were going to be out of business. And then we just decided, let's just start selling online. Even though it was illegal, we were just like, we don't care. We're going to start selling wine online. And then that infamous day when D-Nice held up that bottle uh, when he was DJing for all those people, for 100,000 people. And that's when it just began to go through the roof. So then two weeks later was Carmelo Anthony interview. And a couple of weeks later was Michael Strahan. And then it was just like, yeah, I just couldn't keep up at that point. But, you know, I mean, D.C. was the impetus. And to this day, Maryland, D.C. is still our number one market. Uh, whenever we do online sales through Reserve Org or et cetera, we can see the population of that region that holds us down the most. It's funny because, you know, people think like it's an overnight success, but really, like how long did it really take? Oof. I started this process from the conversations to now in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually launched in 2019 and was struggling because, you know, you're trying two people running around trying to sell the brand. So it really didn't hit to what people think it is now until May of this year, I think, because mm-hmm. once the Constellation announcement came out is when retailers started calling us. So we went from nine states to 34 markets just in the last six, seven months. That's that's excellent because yeah. it's always a, um, a struggle to yeah. find um Black brands with mm-hmm. distributors, like you have to convince them yep. or you just have to go to the brand directly. And so when you can easily go to the distributor and say, this is what I'd like to buy is is great. And I, I'm so thankful that I did have that industry experience because I did have friends at certain distributors like a breakthrough in Maryland and D.C. who said yes, based upon the relationship I had from working for those other big brands. And, I, and I'm and I'm feel not bad, but I like, I, I want to help some of my other, you know, black wine owners because I see the struggle with them trying to get a distributor. And they're like, how did you get that distributor? And I'm, and I'm like, well, you know, you want to be like, oh, that's my friend, but I feel so bad because they can't get in the door sometimes and they're begging and pleading. Um, but luckily retailers like uh, Sam's Club this year, which had a minority wine owners triangle program, they forced a lot of distributors. And then of course, everyone wanted to release their press release to say they were supporting black businesses. So they were just picking brands left and right. Gotta love that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you see your demographics change at all when you started to grow? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was interesting because Miami, if you think about Miami, Miami Beach, where we were selling, it was pretty much no black people really down here. It was really Cuban, Latin and, and general market focused. I think last year during the height of the George Floyd aftermath, we started to see people from places that we never even thought about of all races and backgrounds ordering the wine. But the core consumer by far is still the African-American woman. Uh, Black women, you guys hold it down. So (laughs) um, that's the core audience. But again, we always tell everybody the goal for us is that, yes, we are a black owned brand, but we're for everybody. Like so we fight to not be just seen as a black brand. And and it happens because retailers and even distributors will try to only say this is where they think you should fit. So we purposely try to operate outside of that, that box. But you'll always see imagery of black and brown and even men in everything that we do, because that's who we are. But we we fight to not just be in the black black section or only be in the black restaurants uh, because for us for me coming from the other side you're only really successful when you're just that brand and then I'm secondary because I don't want the brand to be about me I think that's a good good way to look at it you know I love us but we can't only be marketing only to us because we're not the only consumers out there so 
I commend you yeah. for that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I try trying. <laughs> <laughs> so well, uh, it, is, it is nice seeing a black man with rosé. It is. Right. Not, not an oaky uh, cab solve. It, yeah. is, it is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I wasn't a wine person. I'm still really not to this day. It was just I just really no at all. I'm a champagne person. And then I was like, give me tequila. Um, but because I love rosé, it just was something that I was really passionate about. But overall, the whole, you know, you guys can talk about wine and I kind of always slide to the back like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just um, about to ask you about your wine. Well, I, I, I know enough about the ones that I make. Uh, and OK. The, and I'm learning more now, so I'm starting to get into it. But I'm not like I'm not like Andre Mack. I'm not like Carlton and those guys. I'm like, sure. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not me. <laughs> so I tell about- a lot of it, though. You want me to market? <laughs> Give it to me. I got it. <laughs> so tell us about your the wines that you sent us. Yeah. So first you have uh, La Fête du Rosé, which is our Côte de Provence rosé produced in the heart of Saint-Tropez. Uh, you guys have the 2020 uh, vintage, which is a mixture of five grapes, 30% Grenache, 30% Senso, uh 10% Tiburon, 10% Syrah, and I'm missing one. I always miss the fifth one. Uh, so, uh, Mouveret. Mavedra. Uh, so that's that. That is the rosé. It's aged in steel tanks up to actually five months. So most other rosé brands from France are only doing three months, which is why our vintage is always a little bit lagging in the market. And that's intentional because uh, there's no way you can pick a grape in August, start, <laughs> start doing what you do in November, and then in February, it's good wine. So we like to let the wine do its thing and take a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like there were two spectrums of rosé wine. There was the light acidic pink water sort of thing, um, which I didn't really want to drink a lot of. And then there was the other side of Domain Aunt that was super big. And to me, quite frankly, sometimes too heavy. So this is just a perfect hybrid of the two. You still get plenty of fruit and, and roundness and texture and some of the stuff from the Sarai Mauverd, but it goes down easy. It's easy drinking. And the ABV is 12.5% with some others are 13 to 14. So you get so much alcohol um on, on the palate from the first sip where well, you don't get that with us and you still get some acidity that was another thing i'm not big on like so much acidity that you're just like ah but it has enough to uh, hold up the wine and then i think the second one you have which i'm sure you have is the defect de blanc which is our newest release limited edition release uh which is a white wine <clears throat> white wine produced in Cote de Provence from saint tropez as well um as most of you, you know most people know 80 percent of the vineyards grown there all red wine grapes for rosé 10% are for white wine. So we have 90% in this varietal, there's 90% um, Roll or Vermentino in Italy, and then 10% Simeon. So that's a fantastic, crisp, light, easy drinking white wine. But what I love about it is Vermentino sometimes could be really grassy and earthy and green. But this Roll on the end, I mean, the Simeon on the end really just gives it some more fruit and some roundness. So it's by far become like everyone's favorite. <laughs> um, they still love the rosé, but people who love white wine are really loving this. And I wanted to bring some attention to white wines from Provence because uh, you have some people that make Chardonnays. You have some people that do 100% Vermentino or the Roll, but nothing really sexy. And we wanted to make the wines from the from that region sexy again, which is why I put Blanc de Blanc uh, on the label, which I get flagged for because people are like, oh, that's champagne. I'm like, well, technically it just means white from white. So it's just a French word. Uh, and more importantly, in 1930, still wine companies were using that term on their wine labels, but champagne took it and just ran with it. So it's a synonymous with champagne, but it has its origins in still wine. Look at that. 
Because when I saw <laughs> it, from I was a like, non-wine person. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, oh, so this is probably a Chardonnay. And then I opened it and tasted it. I was like, nope, this is not a Chardonnay. Let me see what it is. Then I looked yeah. it up and saw the varietals. It's first of all, it's excellent. It's um me and women, me and my husband tasted it. We were like, this is so clean. It's mm-hmm. it's so crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, it does, it definitely has that fruit in there. And I, I had it with turkey. We have turkey already. Yeah. We're yeah. turkey <laughs> fanatics. So um, this is gonna be great for Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. Excellent yeah, for Thanksgiving. So it's almost gone. We did uh six thousand bottles. We're probably down to the last two hundred or so. Oh, and we're wow. running a Black Friday sale or Blanc Friday, as we're calling it. And once it's gone, it's it's gone. We'll see if we can get more next year. But you know, we'll, who, who knows? Yeah. Well, kudos. Good job. because This is great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we are so privileged. <laughs> we are, right? <laughs> I'll be sending you the Venmo link to pay me for the I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's, that's Glennis. I just want <laughs> So yeah, you yeah. don't get uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look at her, just sell me out. Some, I'm sorry, did I miss? And maybe I have. So do you make a sparkling at all? No, we do not. That's something that we okay. talked about from the beginning, um, but it's hard. It takes two and a half years. Right. I mean, the region is not necessarily known for sparkling, and especially me coming from Champagne. If I come out with something that's BS, all my former colleagues is, are waiting for that. They would love me to <laughs> with a champagne that's a joke they'd be like oh what is this shit oh excuse my language (laughs) (laughs) so if i do it it has to be absolutely right okay okay i was gonna say because i don't think i missed it but let me just double check (laughs) i would love to taste some of your sparkling which and we can be your taste testers as well no for sure totally my assistant and my taste tester you got like multiple jobs i'm loving it (laughs) hey (laughs) hey Jill of all trades here, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> this, is, this is the gig economy. So right, yeah. exactly. For sure. For sure. So are you gonna make anything else? Do you have anything else in your foresight? Yeah, I want to do a uh crew class A tete de cuvee level sort of rose wine. Again, for me, I'm just really trying to make people take rose serious. Sure. Uh, I'm also want to be seen as like a legitimate maker. So mm-hmm. we're we're mm-hmm. at doing something like that. Um, and then we'll see what happens. You know, we'll, we got, I got to get this to be in the number one rosé in the United States first before I really start to take my eye off the ball. But we have some other things in the works. So do you think people do take rosé seriously now? Or where, where do you, in that scale of where you started to now, yeah, where do you think beginning, you I didn't, I didn't understand that it wasn't really taken seriously until you really get into the business and you start talking to people about Rosé in the wintertime. I was just in New York in October, end of October, beginning of November, and they were just like, Rosé season's over. I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, so they were taking it off lists. They were taking it off the floors and, and, and liquor stores and stuff. And I just don't understand that mindset because if you can drink a white wine year round, which is still chilled down, you can certainly drink a Rosé. So I think all of those things are changing. The seasonality is going away. I think great restaurants are starting to leave it on their list to show people it pairs with food year round. Um, but there's still some work to be done. I mean, you, there's a lot of good rosé and there's a lot of bad rosé. Um, and some of the bad rosés are winning. So until some of the good ones actually start to get their time, you know, it's going to be tough. I would say um, maybe three or four years ago, Sarita had read us an article about rosés and how it was becoming more of a year-round wine mm-hmm. and how men are embracing rosé more than previously. 
yes. before, do you notice, I know you said like black women are your leading demographic, but do you notice more men are yeah, I mean, Rose? we started the brand. So from a digital analytics standpoint, our following used to be 80-20 and we're now 60-40 male to female or female, 60% female, 40% male. So uh-huh. we're seeing for ourselves as a brand, but I think it's because we are removing the flowers and pink dresses and that whole stigma of what rosé is. And we're just talking about it from what it is. It's a great wine. We do rosé and cigar pairings for guys. They see themselves on our Instagram, you know, a man drinking rosé and it it looks cool. We have on J's and t-shirts and, and all those sort of things. So I think collectively if the industry or the rosé category can show more of that, certainly they will help it. But it, it started off with real men drink pink. So everything was around that sort of like still associating with pink. And then we just were like, we're not even touching that. We're just going to show like rosé is cool and men can drink right. it. It's fine. Yeah. You don't have to have your pinky in the air when you're drinking it. It's okay. <laughs> but yes, it's happening, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. So what advice would you give to other minorities who are trying to find their way through this industry? Yeah, I think... Um, it's a tough industry. You got to know your shit. It's your stuff. Like if you can take an opportunity to work as an intern or part-time in a retail store, that's super big. If you can, you know, go work at a distributor somehow and learn the number because the nomenclature and the speak and the language alone behind the scenes is so hard. If you come in and have no knowledge of that, like that's the first way they can weed you out. Um, and, and then also not come in green. Cause I think we all come in green thinking, oh, we're going to make this brand and it's going to be 30,000 cases next week. And everybody's going to love us. And it's just not going to happen that way. Like the three tier system makes it so much harder, uh, for a brand to really take off in that manner. So I think remaining positive, remaining consistent, but knowing your stuff, you have to know the ins and out of the business, do a lot of reading, get a mentor, um, because that's the stuff that they use to just weed people out. I mean, even for me right now with some of, you know, the notoriety that we have, the daily fights with these distributors and, and retail, like it's insane. And, but I'm not going to give up, but that's their way of making people give up. Anything to add, Leslie, since you're, you're kind of in this business too. Yeah, sure. yeah, you're the same. <laughs> you're in the same lane. No, I, I echo everything he says 1000%. It's interesting to um, come from the media perspective in wine and you, you know, you think that, you know, but once you get on the other side and um, the producing and the sales or what have you, it is a totally different language. It is um, people will try to punk you um, (laughs) without question there. And you just have to put your big girl panties on and, and just try to weave through it and having a mentor to go to and say, is this right? Like, yeah. are these terms right? Or are they just setting these terms for me is good to, it's yeah. good to have. You can get you a good, good lawyers, specific yes. lawyers, specific things. I have lawyers that negotiate the contracts at the winery. I have trademark lawyers over here. Like no lawyers, a jack of all trade, get industry specific lawyers that can, that are experts in that particular field. And they will be everything to you. Most definitely. Yep. Interesting. So uh, last series question, Donna, tell us about your philanthropy. Yeah, I mean, uh, so we donated two causes, but our overarching main one is giving travel experience to underserved kids, underrepresented, underserved minority kids. 
And that was so important for me. I grew up watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. So I always knew I wanted to travel the world. <laughs> so once I had the first opportunity to do so, I did. But more importantly, what I learned from traveling around um, was that it, it, it changed me. It changed my mindset. It opened the world to me. It, it really, I have friends around the world because of it. And I think if we can give those experiences to kids, underserved kids early on, it will change their minds as well. They can start to see beyond their block, their city, or even the United States. And it just makes you better better global citizens. Um, that was the first reason. And then two, what I learned in business is that when I went to these champagne dinners and you're at these dinners next to these people and they start to talk about certain topics, travel was another thing that we could all start to talk about. Oh, have you been here? Or where are you going to go this summer? Or yes, my son's going to backpack here and all of that. And I, and I found that, you know, other minorities that worked in the business that hadn't done any traveling, they were ostracized a little bit. Um, so I wanted to give that, give those kids a head start, even as far as going to college and saying, oh yeah, I've been to Africa, I've been to the Caribbean. So they're just not like, what are you talking about? Uh, sort of thing. So that's, we donate to that. So we give uh, funds to send the kids on trips, as well as we sponsor a number of different organizations for passports, uh, for kids who are looking to do it because the cost for some of them, you know, $200, their parents may not have it. So they, they don't get these passports early on. And then, of course, the Roots Fund uh, with Carlton McCoy and Tahira and Akimi as well to really diversify the industry and serve as a pipeline and a resource for people looking to get into the wine industry. That's awesome. The Roots Fund actually sent um, a few psalms to uh, yeah. the Champagne event. Um, yeah, yeah, they yeah, sent some there. And they have a couple of people in Bordeaux, I believe, as well. Oh, nice. uh, or Burgundy. One of the two. Yeah, one of the two. They've sent some people over there on some scholarships as well. So I think, Carl, you know, Carlton having the network that he does is just pulling them down, which is great. So yeah. it's amazing. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Ladies, any other questions for Dane before we uh, head to the next segment and wrap it up? When we doing something together, when we coming all together, like listen, COVID's almost over, but we can come like together. in Saint Tropez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, Donna, you I'm say on the Nikki word Beach whenever you say so. <laughs> there you go. I mean, we honestly we are we are planning some as the world begins to open back up. We've gotten so many requests to go to the winery or or tours, etc. So we are looking to do some sort of uh, consumer sort of facing thing very soon. I'm not sure Central Page ready for all us to show up at once, but we'll see. Glennis, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you mind if I tell this story about uh, when we were taking pictures at the hotel? No, go right ahead, sweetheart. Okay. So um, what was it like? 2016. 2016. Was it 15 of us? It was, it was 16 of us. It was 16. Okay. So it was 16 Black women and we were in um, Monte Carlo. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was Glennis's birthday and we had to step and repeat in the hotel lobby. So we were, we were taking pictures and we were all hyped and what have you, because we were celebrating Glennis's birthday and um, some non-African-Americans <laughs> um, said, look at the Africanos. Oh. <laughs> and we were like, no, we're Americans. We're yeah. Black Americans. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They just made the assumption we were African. Okay. I get that all the time. Uh, I get that all the time. They'd be like, oh, you're African? Or my brother. Like, that's the other. The Africans would do it to you, too. My brother. I'm like, I'm not from Africa. Yes, you are. Don't deny yourself. Because like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll quickly deny us, but they exactly. don't want us to deny <laughs> them. Let's keep right. it all, all in perspective. No, I'm from New Jersey. That's where I was born and raised. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm from Baltimore. I'm not from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting that that happens a lot. And then, you know, I get the, am I going to market my brand to rappers sort of thing? I get that a lot too over there. I'm like, all right, guys, it's, it's more of us than just rappers. Yeah, and exactly. Right. And, right. And we, we represent all industries. Come on. Exactly. I think, exactly. I think that's it. That's, that can be so, somewhat insulting to make that kind of comment. But, but you know what I learned? What privilege about is, does. It's not necessarily racism, it's classism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a very structural society based upon class. And oh, very just, much so. And they just can't operate outside of it. No matter what, they just fall into it and they go along. Right. With it, so. Oh, I, I totally agree. I yeah. totally agree on that. Yes. Do people assume that your wine is sweet because you're your black black owner? All day long. Every it's time. from it's Provence, though. I mean, Saint-Germain it's is like it's Provence. from France, though. They see the color and they just assume the color. And then here I come walking in. They're like. Oh, I, did, I thought it was going to be sweeter than this. I'm like, but why? 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 <laughs> right. Exactly why. And then you get wow. to watch them stumble and fumble right. over their words. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. And then they, or they, they always, this is actually really good. I'm like, did you think it wasn't going to be? It wasn't like, going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I love it. I mean, I'm a petty person. I'm like Michael Jordan. The more you do shit like that to me, it just feeds me to keep going. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love it. I love it. All right, Donna. So this part of the show, we just have a handful of questions that we're going to okay. ask everybody. And uh, just to get to know you a little bit better. They're very sure. light. Okay. okay. Here we go. What do you eat? What is the first thing you eat on your Thanksgiving plate? Oh, I don't like my food to touch on the Thanksgiving plate. So that's Oh, you oh. wanted them? Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say the dressing of the mashed potatoes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Glennis and Leslie, what about y'all? Oh, that that that's such a hard question because we have Thanksgiving most of the time. I have Thanksgiving dinner at my cousin's, and they have this long. The table is about twelve feet, and I I swear there's like tw- ten vegetables five starches, plethora of meats. It's just like a small country worth of food in this one house on this one table. So I always, depending on what end of the table I'm at is where (laughs) I start with that plate of food because then I have to take a break. And this is a true story. So this could change over depending on what year it is. So most of the time I try to position myself near the mac and cheese because that seems to go first. So, okay. and while I'm walking around the table, I just snack on what I got. So it's more than likely it's the mac and cheese or the collards. Mm. Those are the two for me. Got you. I put the perfect bite together of cornbread <laughs> dressing, yams, and ham. That's okay. Okay. That's the, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, it all at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So me, I do something similar. I just, I take... The dressing, the turkey, the gravy, and the cranberry sauce in one one little spork, you know, the, the fork, you know, and then then I try it. Yeah. So every like a big Thanksgiving bite, and then I can eat everything else. Right. Yeah. I need all of that together first. So I like my food to touch. Yeah, I'm like, I was, I was freaking out right there. Like <laughs> Don't, like, don't let the juice from the greens run into you. Oh, nothing. I want a new plate. Give me a new plate. Okay. What wine are you bringing to Thanksgiving dinner? Lafette Rosé. 
the most versatile varietal out there. It goes with everything. There you go. Uh, yeah, not bringing wine to this crowd. It's going to be beer. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair. Save the wine because, for you. Yeah, because most of them don't drink wine like I drink wine. And if it is, I got to explain it. And it's just, I just want to sit down and eat. So I bring the beer and just have iced tea. I'm not, okay. not with this. No, just, that's too fair. much. Wine. That's fair. Would, um, I'm in Glennis's camp, so I'm just drinking <laughs> for myself. <laughs> so I would, I would, I would bring a Chenin Blanc. Oh, nice, very nice. Um, I had I, to, bring, you know, I would bring uh, if I had to bring something. I'm bringing Cremant. Yeah, if I had to, mm-hmm. I'm bringing a Cremant. I'm definitely bringing yeah. a Cremant, and of course, it'll affect you. Say the hell. I'm actually going to take my rosé. Um, I love the rosé to Thanksgiving, but my mom, I've turned her into a kava fanatic. Mm. So uh, we'll most likely have kava. Um, but I like a variety. I like I like to mm-hmm. start with bubbles. I like maybe one or two wines for dinner, and then I like maybe a cognac and some or something with my uh, mm. with my pie. At your house, because you can't drive after you had all that stuff. <laughs> well, I don't live there far. Will, there will definitely be cognac at this at my you know, cousin's house. Thanksgiving is an all-day thing. No, it yes, it is. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what time do y'all have dinner? What time start do you start? What time Maybe is it supposed to start? Like three. And Glennis, what time do you start? That's what time is supposed to start. My cousin always told everybody to get there by three. Sometimes jokers don't get there to five. That's why I'm nibbling the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. If if we're in Louisiana, it is high noon and you better be seated, seated at the table at noon. Food is served. Oh, if wow. we're here in Maryland, we'll have it at two. Oh, okay. I like it early. Me too. But you can run around and go see other houses. That's my whole thing. I'm like, I'm yeah. going to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Does your family play games on holidays? If so, which one? No, no. Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, what you say, Donay? That would cause a fight. No games. <laughs> <laughs> it's spades at ours. Yeah. Got you. It's it's definitely spades. It's taboo in my house. Typically. Yeah. And it, it can cause fights, but <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of trash talking. A lot of table packing. <laughs> And have y'all ever played spoons? No. Not at Thanksgiving, but I've played spoons before. No, no Usually spoons. No, spoons will make you fight. Like, for <laughs> real. <laughs> Sounds like dominoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, Leslie, did you have a game? My aunts and uncles will play Midwest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got you. All right. Name a Thanksgiving dish that only certain people can make. Mac and cheese. Yeah, mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah, everybody can't make that. No. Um, and rice dressing. Uh, I'm sorry. What make- rice dressing. What's that? Like rice pudding? No, no. Like, um, <laughs> I was going to answer. <laughs> I was going to answer. Like, what is that? 
I was gonna answer with it's rice dressing. It's it's dirty <laughs> rice. It's dirty rice. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's called rice dressing. Yeah. Everybody pie. can't make stuff in neither. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Very true. Oh, and let's be honest, not everybody can cook a turkey too. <laughs> you ain't lying. You ain't never we lying. Can go, we can go right on down the table. Yeah. And also that. also greens. Oh, yeah. Guys, so I oh, say collards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like greens. Ooh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. All right. Um, all right. Last question is for Donna. Mm -hmm. All right. You uh -oh. received last minute tickets to a game. What two teams would you skip Thanksgiving for? Oh, I've done this and Christmas Day. Uh, <laughs> oh, when the, when the heat were on that thing, I didn't miss the Christmas game. I, I didn't care. You just be mad at me. So I would say right now I would do Lakers and Golden State. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. That is a good choice. I would I would say because you know I am a diehard Washingtonian fan and the Wizards are actually winning this they year. They are winning. We're gonna knock on something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hallelujah to that. So <laughs> I would say uh, I'd be interested in seeing the Wizards and the Bucks play. That's good. Cool. Nice. Yep. Mm. You know what? I ain't that big of sports fan <laughs> to even care. Um, but I guess the, we end up moving one Thanksgiving dinner to Dallas to see the Dallas and the Skins play. I, was it Dallas and Skins or Dallas and somebody play? No, it's the Skins. Because I mean, excuse me, excuse me, the Washington team. Yeah. Well, then, um, well, then it was the Skins. So, and yeah, I think they, they always play on Thanksgiving. They always yeah. play on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Hmm. So I think we ended up moving it too because my cousin was, another cousin was living there. And we're like, okay, we all can't just miss things. So let's just cook there and just go to the game. And that's what we did. Oh, that's fun. Okay. That is fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds mm -hmm. nice. Well, Donna, this was fantastic. Thank you for joining us this today. No, thank you for having me. I've had a great time and I'm certainly coming back again. Or are we going to go in DC, yes. Maryland when, when things get going again? Thank you so much for the invite. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Yeah, where yeah, where can everybody see. follow you and find your wine? Uh, you can follow me personally on Instagram at Thurston Burston the Third. Yeah, I told you I thought I was lifestyles everything famous. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Lafette's Instagram is at Lafette Rose, and our website is www.lafetterose.com. And you can go and put your zip code in and it'll show you all 1,000 stores across the country and the ones closest to you. So awesome. Outstanding. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Thank it you. It was a pleasure meeting you. And have a happy well, holiday. Thank you. Happy happy holidays. Thanks. Drink up some wine. See you later. Yes. yes. Will do. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's our show, everybody. You know what to do. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Check out me and Leslie's holiday sales on our website. And have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Cheers. <laughs>